0: All right. And welcome back to another episode of Who's Lifting Today. I am very excited about this guest. I've been a big fan for a while now. Uh, Her name is Katie Orlick. Katie Orlick is a body neutral personal trainer, elite powerlifter, and founder of EO Fitness. Katie wants a barbell in as many people's hands as possible, helping them enjoy movement in and out of the gym. Katie, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I am Very excited
0: to be here. I am too. The reason I'm especially excited for this guest, as with all my other guests, for those who listen to my podcast and have been on the show as well, is very few people have like the combination that I have, which is like shifting away from weight loss and aesthetics and replacing it with strength training. That combination is—I've been online for three and a half years now, and I've met three people, four people who like have that like specific combination. So it's super nice to have you on here and you do really good work on like TikTok and like informing people how to become stronger and focusing less on like what their body looks like. So, you know, I, I, am very excited to have this conversation. Um,
1: Our body does a lot of really cool things and it does a lot more than lose weight. I think it does a lot more uh, important things than just lose weight. There is really like focusing on on the really cool things that our body can do yeah
0: absolutely and like let's talk about that because like I want to talk about your story on how you got into strength training because it seems like it's it's had different phases is that yeah. fair to say
1: it's had a lot of twists and turns for sure
0: so yeah let's hear like just you know start at the beginning like yeah. what got you into strength training what was the like moment where you were like this is the route that I'm going and eventually getting into powerlifting? like tell us more
1: I, well, I grew up playing sports my entire life. I played soccer and I competed in dance. Um, I started both of those when I was three and I just did that up until college. And then I went to college and college is really hard. College is really stressful and food tastes really good. So I put on a lot of weight in my freshman year of college. Um, And just looking in the mirror, it wasn't even, you know, the physical aspect of it. I was just looking at myself like, I don't. like myself anymore I grew up an athlete I couldn't do the things that I was used to doing so I was like something has to give here so I joined a gym in 2015 as a New Year's resolutioner to lose weight just like everybody else starts and very quickly realized that there was a lot of other really cool things that I could do in there Um, I started taking a class that was 30 minutes of barbell work and then 30 minutes of metabolic conditioning and after the first 30 minutes, I was like, I kind of want to stay over here with these barbells. I don't want to go do that cardio stuff. Like, I'm having a blast over here. And honestly, what drew me to it was just how powerful I felt, how, I don't know if I can say badass I felt. Like, I just felt so empowered. I felt more, you know, in control of my life than I, than I had in a very long time. So I kind of dove headfirst into strength training and everything that that came with it, all the really cool things that happened, and of course, people were like, "You're not gonna lose weight that way." And I was like, "Dude, I I literally don't care. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, I exactly. I'm having a blast. I'm having so much fun." And about six months into doing that, I competed in my first just unsanctioned, fun kind of mock powerlifting meet at my college, and I went to weigh in, and I was like, "Wow." I didn't even realize that all of this had happened because I was focusing on having fun and feeling really cool. And I did fine in the meet. It was just just for fun. And then about six months after that, I finally signed up for my first sanctioned powerlifting meet. And since then, I've done seven meets. And I absolutely love it. It is incredible. I love having a sport that doesn't focus on how my body looks. That's what I need.
0: For me. It's, it, it's super useful. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, I also come from like the powerlifting background. Um, yeah. just like researching, it sounds like you were a lot better at powerlifting or you are than I was. Um, <laughs> I was, you know, I, I did okay. I, I would say I was like locally good, sure. but as soon as like the regional, like I, I, it sounds like you're pretty high up there in terms of like, like, are you at the regional level, national level? Like, yeah, where, where so do you... I, I
1: haven't competed, uh, at nationals or anything. I, I, You know, I did have all four, technically, squat, bench, deadlift, and total New York State record, but then COVID happened, and I haven't competed since COVID, so other people have snagged those since then, Um, but hopefully, I'll be competing in in the fall, fingers crossed, we'll see, Um, and hopefully get some good numbers there, but yeah, powerlifting has has completely changed my life. I I know that we'll probably touch on this later, but I grew up... um, as probably many people listening to this in the diet culture world. So I grew up, um, you know, always focusing on aesthetics and um, being in a sport that doesn't um, really, really focus on that is huge for me. I struggled with eating disorders longer than I haven't struggled with them. So focusing on not that is absolutely vital for me and my own. recovery. So yeah, that
0: that was the reason I joined is because like, I don't want to do like the aesthetics game. Like powerlifting is like the numbers and the bar is like all that matters. Um, and I I think that's like super useful. Now, one thing you mentioned in that, like on your website is that you want a barbell in every person's hands. Mm -hmm. And one thing I would love for you to, to convince is that I think for some people, they see the barbell as like, well, that's like for powerlifters or weightlifters. Mm -hmm. And I want like your take on like, well, actually, the barbell should be for everybody. Like why, no. like, why should, like, moms, average people, like, people with kids, um, like, wh- why should they use a barbell if they're not going to do, like, go the powerlifting route?
1: Yeah, look, I can go into the science behind it and, you know, strength and bone density and all of that. But really, more importantly, I think it's um, emotionally what it brings you. It brings you this sense of power, of um, kind of feeling on top of the world, of being, of being capable of doing more than you think you could do like the barbell to me at this point is just nothing really because i use it every single workout for every single exercise but when you first walk up to a barbell first time you ever walk up to a squat rack that's intimidating for sure that's really intimidating and i know that feeling i know that feeling of everybody is staring at me. Everybody is judging what I do. I promise you, nobody is actually staring at you. If anything, I actually, today at the gym, I caught myself staring at a girl because I loved her shorts. And I was like, oh my gosh, she probably thinks I'm like judging her. So I had to go up to her. I was like, creeping
0: around the gym. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was like, I love your shorts. Where are they from? But I remember that feeling of walking into a squat like the first time and being like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I think just the, the power that The barbell brings, and it's so versatile too. You can do, I mean, literally so many different things with the barbell. So it's not just squat, bench, deadlift. It can be, it can, you can do so much with it. So I think the versatility of it, but also just the the strength, emotional and mental strength that it brings you, is top tier.
0: Yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more. I think like if people don't want to start there, I think that's fine. Sometimes like if you're intimidated, like using lighter dumbbells and working your way up is totally fine. But if, if you're going to like really test, like how strong am I, I think like for, uh, you know, for most people, like what you can do with the barbell is going to be the heaviest thing you can lift. um Maybe with the exception of like specialized bars, like trap bar and stuff like that. But like yeah. a lot of gyms don't have those. And like the barbell, like, you know, it, probably in the deadlift or squat is going to be like, well, how strong are you? Like, well, your deadlift is probably going to be the best. If you had to pick one exercise, it's probably going to be like, the best indicator of like, well, I can deadlift this much weight. So I'm probably absolutely. like this level of strength. So I think like that's Honestly, underrated. Yeah.
1: People are stronger than they think. Like, I absolutely. See okay. So sorry. Many people, yeah. I see so many people surprise themselves. I think um, we are very, very, very focused on um, lifting with perfect form every single time. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is extraordinarily important. And at the same time, there's a time and a place to rip a barbell off the floor and see what's up and see how strong you are. And every single time you do that, your form gets better and better. You have to get under heavy load to get comfortable under heavy load to progress. And heavy load is different for every single person. It could be a 55-pound bench press. It could be a 500-pound bench press. I don't care. Heavy for you. You need to be there physically, mentally, and emotionally to really progress, I think.
0: Yeah, I I could agree more. I like what you said. It's like, it's heavy in proportion to your strength. So when we say heavy, we're not saying like 200 pounds or above. We're saying like, you know, what is, you know, on the higher end of weights for you. And I think it also like you doing those heavier weights allows you to see like, when you're doing lighter weights for a lot of reps, I don't think anything's wrong with that. But like, it's, Yeah. yeah is that really showing how strong you are when you're talking about like your, your max set of 15, where it's like, but if we're doing like a, you know, a set of three or a set of five, that's like heavy. It's like, well, we're getting a much better idea of like where your actual strength lies. And I think like that is super, super enjoyable. Um, mm-hmm. Now the question I have, sorry, go ahead, yeah. please. Yeah, go no, ahead. No,
1: I was gonna say there is a time and a place for every single programming phase, but if you're not dipping your toes into relative strength every couple of months, you have not even like unlocked half of your potential. You don't
0: even know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's where the fun begins, man. It really does.
0: Yeah. And you can actually see like the progress that you're making too, which I think is nice. Is that like, well, am I getting stronger? It's like, well, Mm -hmm. I've never lifted this weight before. So like, that's a good sign that like things are going well. Um, And then
1: the next time you come back up into that strength, endurance, that hypertrophy phase, you're that much stronger. Every single time you just repeat that process. It, it unlocks so much potential for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I, I like, I like couldn't agree more now for people who don't know what body neutrality is. What, like how, how would you explain that to people?
1: Yeah. So I always like to talk about body positivity first before I talk about body neutrality, because I think we need to understand one in order to understand the other. So I think the body positivity movement is fantastic and it has um, some loopholes in it. Right. So, Body positivity says that I love my body no matter what. I love my legs because they have cellulite on them, which is true. I love my belly because it has some rolls on it, which is true. And I don't always have to love my body. Mm-hmm. I, it's unrealistic. We are human. I don't wake up every day saying, damn, that cellulite looks hot today. Like I, It's physically impossible right. to wake up every single day and think that, right? So body neutrality says, I love my body for the things that it does. Um, I love my body regardless of how it looks. How I feel about my body has no relation to how I feel about myself. And separating the two of those has been absolutely vital for me personally, like I mentioned before, in my own eating disorder recovery, because I think that in recovery, we're so focused on love yourself, love yourself, love yourself. And it's like, wow, I feel like a failure when I can't love myself. So it's like, hold on, maybe let me put that on the back burner for a second. And let me kind of detach myself from my body, because especially coming from a disordered background, you're so focused on your body. So it kind of feels like you're just on the other end of the spectrum of it, of hating your body to then forcing yourself to love your body. So it feels like I'm going from one extreme to the other. Whereas I can kind of just take a step away from that and feel nothing towards my body. It is how it is. And it does really cool things. Yeah.
0: And I think that's valuable because like, and I've I've, talked about this in the podcast in the past too, where it's like bodies kind of change whether you like want them to or not. Um, And I think like if you constantly put all this value in like, well, I have to look a certain way or I don't look a certain way that like, there's just like a lot of factors of that, that are like out of your control, like aging, Mm -hmm. just being one of them.
1: Absolutely. That it's
0: like, you know, at the end of the day, like you're going to get older and like, that's fine. And that's not like a bad thing, but like, that will affect like how you look and like bodies change shape over time. And like, you know, like nutrition and training can like, obviously like make like some changes to that and like some people, but like, there's still just things that are just straight up out of your control. It's
1: inevitable. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: And I think like, I-, I like your definition of body neutrality. I think it's like really useful. Um, I think it's incredibly rare in the fitness world um even in like other strength coaches where like people will talk about look how strong that person is and that strength is measured by the changes in physical appearance and i think like that's like that's not what we're talking about like just to be like totally we are talking about like you are able to lift more weight you are stronger moving your own body you are strong in day-to-day activities
1: Mm -hmm. um when i day-to-day activities you Uh, have more energy throughout the day you're sleeping better all of those
0: things right yeah yeah like quality of life as opposed Mm -hmm. to like you know people show like a strong woman it's like and then you know bodybuilder physique pose and then it's like this is not what we're talking about like this is a totally different conversation um yeah
1: i it might be controversial to talk about but it's it's really important to talk about that is all tied in fat phobia because we see a you know, stage ready performer. And we think, oh, they're at the end of their fitness journey. And then we see somebody that resides in a larger body. And we think that they're just starting their fitness journey where it could be the exact opposite. You have no idea. The way that your body looks has nothing to do with your health. Like we, we literally know this by now.
0: Yeah. There's like actual research on it, which is super useful.
1: Yeah, literal and, data. And
0: like we, oh yeah, my, like that could be like a whole podcast episode on its own. Yeah. It's just like fat phobia. We might have to do that again. Like I might just have Honestly, to bring you yeah. back. And like like fat phobia could one. literally be its own content. And I think like that would be like yeah, that would be super interesting to talk about as well. Yeah. Um, for people who aren't, I've I've heard people even like people in, in in my comments and stuff will say like yeah, like not caring about your body is great like in theory, but like you know how to like just not caring is like not overly helpful. So like what helped you get to like more of a body neutrality focus? Cuz it sounds yeah. like you weren't there at one point and like now you sounds like you're you're pretty much there. Like what helped you get to that point?
1: Well, first, I don't always get it right. I Fair. am definitely, yeah, I I am only human and I am still learning and I am still undoing years and years and years and years of toxic diet culture and I think all of us are and I think all of us will continue to I think it's um it's always going to be a two step forward one step back kind of thing I don't always get it right I don't always wake up and I'm like all right today I feel completely neutral about my body and I am very excited about the things that it does I am also human I think as coaches it's kind of um thought that we don't ever run into obstacles like this but we absolutely do I run into lack of motivation, I run into, you know, bad body image days, we are human. Um, But the biggest thing for me has seriously been has been focusing on gains in strength training, like, and I'm talking again, not about how much muscle I put on, I'm talking about, damn, I squatted this much this week. Now, six weeks from now, look where I am now, like really focusing on, you know, I grew up a number focused person in the kind of world that I grew up in. And now I'm a number focused person in a much, much healthier. In a very, very
0: different way. Yeah.
1: Very different way. So I think I'm, I have all my programs in a spreadsheet, like looking at my squat from six months ago to my squat now to, um, you know, hopefully what it'll be six months from now, but also in that I am also a hiker, I am a rock climber, and doing all those things, I remember it was probably 28, no, 2017, maybe, and 2016, 2017, my boyfriend and I were on vacation, and my family's from Croatia, and we were um, walking the wall outside of the city of Dubrovnik, and I was dying just <laughs> dying. and three years later we went back and we were like oh that only took us an hour and a half like that was that was easy and it was a moment like that where I was like holy smokes like I did that like that was something that every day from every day between those two times everything felt the same mm-hmm. but then you get those moments where you get to look back and you're like wow, I did that. And I think in between there, I know this is kind of going off on a tangent, but I think in no, between okay. there, people can lose sight of the fact that they're still putting in the work because it's like, damn, I couldn't do that yesterday. And today I still can't do it. And it's like, well, you got to trust the process. Like you need a little bit of patience. So every now and again, you kind of get those like moments where you get to look, you know, you get to take a step back and look at the whole picture. And it's really, really cool. So I don't know, just focusing on the things that I get to do with my life. I am halfway done with my 46 high peaks in the Adirondacks. Like my body does really cool things and none of it has to do with a number between my toes on a scale,
0: which is, yeah. So yeah. You say what what sounds like what helped you is like almost just like, well, you have to reprioritize new things. Absolutely. Yeah. Which I think is like, I've always said this before where I think there's a lot of information online. That's like, don't care about the weight on the scale, like in the haze body positivity world, which is like, okay, that's fine. But you have to replace it with something because Absolutely. like, then you go from, if you don't have the weight on the scale, now you have no motivation and then you just don't work out. And like, that's bad too. Like we yeah. want people to like focus on that as well. So I, I, I appreciate you like mentioning like what you focus on instead. Um, one thing I would love to get clear, cause I've noticed this online is um, what do you refer to as diet culture? Now, I like, the reason I ask this is because, I feel like online diet culture has become like whatever you don't like in the industry. Mm, and yeah. it's, and it's also like very, very online where like, if I talk to my parents about who are like, are not like big on social media, if I asked, if I talked to them about diet culture, they're like, I have no idea what you're talking Like, I've never heard this in my life. Yeah. Whereas like online, it's like thrown everywhere. So like for you, when you say like you grew up in diet culture, like what are you referring to specifically?
1: Yeah. So, actually, the registered dietitian that I work closely with in my business, the one that I refer out to, she does um, seminars. And every single seminar, she starts with the definition of diet culture, with a, which, of course, is escaping my brain right now. But it has something to do – She's her definition, which I love, is diet culture puts your weight before your health. Mm. And, like, point blank. And so, when we talk about – just examples of diet culture for me – are eliminating certain food groups like that does not need to be done like that is something that every single food has a place in life and we also have to remember that not food is not only physical nourishment food can be emotional nourishment and that is okay sometimes like food is really yummy you get to go out and eat with friends like that's emotional social nourishment right um but just you know things that that put your number weight before your overall health. Okay. In my eyes, is diet culture. Okay.
0: Yeah. I think that's like a good definition as well. That's kind of yeah. like what I refer to it is that like any advice that is like specifically about lowering the weight on the scale, I think yeah. is like, I think it's safe to say is like part of diet culture. And like that's like the number yeah. I use. That's like what I use yeah. as well.
1: Yeah. And I think right now, honestly, a lot of quote unquote, I have air quotes. I know this is audio, air quote health advice right now is disordered with a veil of health over it. Mm -hmm. Working out twice a day. Veil of health over it. Well, I'm doing it for my health. I'm in the gym twice a day. The gym is a great place to be, isn't it? Well, it can be. Everything is so subjective and, you know, I'm never going to eat any processed food. Veil of health over it. Well, you're cutting out a certain food group. So I think even now you have to be so careful and we've gotten very good at just kind of alluding to things that are still not holistic and healthy
0: yeah Yeah, it's kind of like well i care about health where it's like how do you define health and that like Mm -hmm. tell that like tells a lot so i like i totally agree um and like i've you know and this is why i asked like kind of like your definition of diet culture because like i've seen like people who are anti-diet culture who essentially are diet culture yeah and like when you actually like look into their information and it's like okay it's it's almost like a trendy word as opposed to like um what you refer to, which I think is like probably the most accurate definition that we have. Um, so I, I totally love that as well. Now for the benefits that you've seen into like body neutrality, do you feel like you, someone needs to compete to get those?
1: Absolutely not. No, not at all. I think that, um, I think that there is this idea in the fitness space that, like, you need to be competitive, whether it's stepping onto a bodybuilding stage, whether it's stepping onto a powerlifting platform. You need to do that in order to, like, deem yourself worthy of, like, being in the fitness space. And that could not be farther from the truth. Um, I think that competing is fantastic. I I love it. And I will never push anybody to do it if they don't want to do it. If you're thinking about doing it, I will say just rip the Band-Aid off. Like nobody ever feels ready for their first powerlifting meet. I definitely yep. did. Um, you never feel quote unquote strong enough um, or ready enough. But if you're thinking about doing it, just rip the bandaid off. But no, I could not disagree more that you have to do a competition of any sort to see these
0: kind of results, absolutely not. No, I, I I definitely agree as well. And I think yeah. like the competitive nature, while it works well for some people, for other people it creates like unnecessary comparison <laughs> traps. And so like, you know, like I have women that I like work with in like my program. It's called like the Badass Lifter program that like I work with like no one really competes. I get a few athletes every now and then. But like what I've noticed does help is creating some kind of objective goal. Doesn't need to yes. be like going on stage or anything along those lines. But like, if it's nice, if it's like, okay, well, I want, you know, to see this much strength in this much time. I find that that just helps with committing to the process as opposed to people who have goals that are like, well, I want to be healthy where it's like being healthy is good. I'm not going to say it's like a bad goal, but if you have, if you, if you're working towards like something that's like measurable, that Mm -hmm. tends to allow people to be more consistent, which I think is like, so even if you like just make it up. Like mm-hmm. I, I just made my own goal last week about like a 200 pound overhead press. Like I just, not, I, don't, I don't need it. I just Damn. like made it up. Like, yeah. I just like, I just like, it's yeah. I think There's that's some... like, that's fine. Yeah. Like why am I in the gym? And then you have like a yes. good answer towards that as well. Absolutely.
1: And I know, you know, as a trainer, you will know this acronym too, but for any listeners that don't know, when we talk about goals, we talk about smart goals. So setting specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely goals. Like people can say, I want to be healthy. Okay. That's fantastic. Let's be more specific. Mm -hmm. What does health mean to you? And honestly, when you dig deeper and talk to people, I don't have very many clients that have weight loss goals. Because when you take the time to listen to people, I think I have one client that she's like, "Eh, if I lose a little bit of weight, that's cool. It's like whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But we're focusing on so many other things before that. Because when you sit down and actually talk to people, you realize that people just want to be in less pain every day. They want to be able to play with their kids more. They want to be able to take their dog on more walks. Like it's other things that come before a silly little number. And when you focus on those other things, if that silly little number moves, cool. Sometimes it will, sometimes it won't. But the holistic result that you get from focusing on those life things is so much more rewarding than Mm -hmm. focusing on that number. I said to somebody the other day, you know, I saw something on, on TikTok. It's like, oh, soft coaches get soft results. And I was thinking, and I was like, if other coaches looked at me, they'd probably say, oh, she's a soft coach because I focus on, you know, making, finding movement that feels good to you. Movement does not always have to be so structured. Things like this, right? I, if I wanted to, I could get you to reach every single goal you wanted to, right? Like in terms of weight. But I would be doing your overall health a disservice by doing right. that. like reaching a number on a on a scale. I I don't care. <laughs> like yeah. if it's going to damage your mental, possibly physical and emotional health, that's not health to me, and that's not worth it.
0: Yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more. And I think that like tough love mentality, and I think I like just had a post about this actually, where a mm-hmm. uh, tough like that tough love mentality works for a very certain kind of person. And doesn't resonate at all with like many other people. And we just blame those people for not being in the fitness industry, but it's like, okay, but they're already intimidated and like kind of uncomfortable with the process. And then you're telling them that they're soft for not being there. And then like complain why people aren't strength training more. And then it's like, okay, we have to like, Like I, I want to be a soft coach. Okay. Like what he's talking about, like, I want to be the person who like, let's get you started. Let's get you into the gym, lifting weights, feeling strong. You don't need to compete. I'm not going to yell at you if you miss a workout, like all these. And like, like soft coaches get soft results. Like that just describes me. Like that person is missing so much of the population and is only going to get like those super type A already into fitness, already strong kind of people. Yeah. And I think that mentality, like, and that's probably the majority of the fitness industry, like the no pain, no gain mentality. Like it's, it's, yeah.
1: And when you said, you know, I'm not going to be mad at you for missing a workout. I just had a call with a client earlier today. She was like, I didn't get my second workout in this week. I was having a really tough mental health week. I took care of my mental health instead. I was like, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy that you skipped your workout in order to take care of your mental health. Like that is still health. And so when we start to kind of, you know, back up and zoom out in this um, realm of health, you see that it is made up of so much more than just a couple of workouts. And it's my job to write workouts for people. And I'll be the first one to tell you that that is the tiniest little aspect in the grand scheme of health.
0: Yeah. I No, I I like, I absolutely couldn't agree more. Um, I also want to say that like, you've said a lot of things that I've said in the past, almost like word for Mm -hmm. word. So I did not give (laughs) Katie a script uh before this that this was this is all her words i promise um just oh, like so, some of the phrases you used i was like they're gonna think that i like told you the answers that is uh,
1: so fun. no literally we met today okay
0: yeah yeah absolutely okay so like i just <laughs> just wanted to like make that clear where um where can people find you and like tell us about your services i think before the call you mentioned that uh your one-on-one coaching is full um, as of what day is today? Um, what it's like, today? we're like early yeah. July. So if you're listening to this later, like, and you do want one-on-one coaching, like maybe check it later and see if like some spots have opened up, but like, um, you know, where people find you if they have questions, what are like the services that you offer? How do you help people online?
1: Yeah. So I have a bunch of different coaching options just because my one-on-one coaching is closed does not mean that I don't still have coaching options. Um, it's currently closed. I am just working my way through a wait list. I like to keep my one-on-one um, clientele very small because I am very focused on relationships. Um, I like to know how, you know, client A's classes are going. I'm not going to use any of their names. I like to know how, you know, client B's students are doing. So I I like to, you know, be involved in your life. So I like to keep my one-on-ones very small, but I also have other programs that people can buy and run on their own. And those don't come with check-in calls. They just come with check-in forms. You fill it out every week. I email you back. We stay in touch. Um, I have a beginner program like that. I have a um, 12-week strength program like that. And I have um, at-home guides like that. And then I also have team training, which is probably one of my favorite coaching offers that I have. It is huge for anybody that struggles with accountability and motivation, because if one coach holding you accountable, isn't enough, like here's 20 other teammates holding you accountable, um, you know, on this journey with you. And the friends that people have made on the team is fantastic. I think um, I started team training at the start of, of the pandemic when I was kind of missing those little friendly sup nods in the gym and that kind of atmosphere in the gym. So this virtual community is is fantastic but all of that can be found on my website which is eofit.io it's not a.com it's a.io um and then all my social media is underscore eofit on instagram on tiktok um I think the only two places I'm on
0: social media. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. I was going to say, I'll put that in the show notes as well. Yeah. So that like people, like they can just like click right into it and then go from there. Thank you, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. I do want to have that conversation about fat phobia because I think that Absolutely. that is misunderstood a lot, yes. even like the definition. Um, so I'd love to have a second conversation on that. Um, But yeah, thank you for uh, coming on the podcast today.
1: Of course. I had a blast. Thank you so much.
0: No worries. And thank you for listening to another episode of Who's Lifting Today.